We at the Complete Discography and the Babylon Project are horrified at and furious about the Supreme Court's recent decisions to strip the right to appropriate medical care from people with uteruses. We are putting some suggestions in the show notes about where to direct your time, money, and energy, and we also encourage you to find a local organization working to restore fundamental human rights and protect the people these rulings most harm. As a reminder, Sir Terry, in many of his works, codified his most ultimate evil as treating people like things. This clearly is an example of that. You are being watched. The government has a secret system. A podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit Anna. Jude, Anna, how would you describe your service to the show? Are you a wandering Ronin who used to serve a terrible master, or are you just uh, are you slave to the same dark purpose that I am? <laughs> oh, I clearly am. Well, hmm, interesting question. Uh, I feel like <laughs> the way that I entered this show, I should be the wandering Ronin. Yeah. But I feel like after I, I feel like my service on, on Babpod has clearly demonstrated that I I am far too much a trash monster to claim to be some reluctant wandering Ronin roped into uh roped into this process. I feel like I am uh the the latter of your two options. Yeah, we're we are, yeah. we are servants of Jagoku now. <laughs> and I was and I was um right up with you in you know peer pressuring Jude way back when. Mm-hmm. All right, um, we are covering two episodes. Uh, you know, no, I should I should ask actually ask this part as well because I it is now our thing. And um, how you doing, both of you? Oh, this was my first day back at the office. After over two years, what it was, what what was the gratitude message that you wrote on the whiteboard, Anna? I did not write a gratitude message <laughs> on the whiteboard. I walked right past them. Is so, this a thing that people do? There are gratitude. There are like whiteboards. We can you can write something something nice for your coworkers because everybody's so excited to be back in the office and breathing COVID on each other. All the, all the whiteboards that I've had at work that were in like a public area was about was literally this is what's fucking broken right now. <laughs> it's like there was a header of that things that are fucking broken and then a list. So, I mean, one could interpret that the fact that the back to the office welcoming whiteboards are there is what is broken. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> philosophical. Valid. I like Valid. that. Um, but anyway, anyway, it was just as depressing as one would think. Um, I 
came in, uh, spent two hours cleaning mouse poo out of my office and trying to get my laptop to connect to the Wi-Fi, then was on teleconferences and did not interact with a single human being other than ordering a salad. Super dope reason for you to be in the office. Yep. Yep. Uh, at least at least I know that the mice didn't eat my like hand knitted shawls and stuff, so that's good. That's good. It was it was bad though. It it was it was not good. I, on the other hand, uh had several long meetings, none of which I fell asleep in. Pretty proud of myself. We are doing uh a a big corporate version of of Scrum called Safe, which is awful. It's a whole lot of business acronymy nonsense and i kept it together i'm proud of you mm -hmm. i've only fallen asleep once and i was muted the whole time so nobody heard me snoring <laughs> that i know of i think we are right. talk about a tv show right yes we are covering episodes 13 and 14 of season one of person of interest these are root cause and wolf and cub uh, Anna, I believe you have cause. Take us away. Yeah. So this one is written by Eric Mountain, which what a name. Right. What I was a just, name. That is a Viking. That is like a one part Viking, one part like hillbilly mountain man name. It's a good name. I just thought of the funniest thing. Captain Kirk is climbing about it. Why is he climbing about it? Captain Kirk is climbing about it because he's in love. <laughs> Mountain. <laughs> Uh, uh, and anyway, this is directed by Richard J. Lewis. Um, so this week's number is Scott Powell, a municipal worker and family man. Finch and Reese quickly discover that Powell has in fact been out of work for eight months and is growing increasingly financially desperate. Also that his family does not know that he's been out of work. Harold joins John on stakeout and hacks Powell's computer, discovering that he's been blogging about a congressman, Michael Delancey, and has a large encrypted file on his hard drive, which, of course, Harold begins to hack into. I have thoughts on this that I want to talk about later. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sure. The, the Pringle scan? No, the, the encryption thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. So Powell does seem to get a lucky break, a temp gig at a fundraiser for the congressman. Uh, at the fundraiser, Harold finally gets into the file, which contains death threats against the congressman. John rushes to prevent Powell from firing, uh, but when the shot is fired by someone else, John and Harold realize that Powell has been set up. They realize that if the machine wasn't warning them about the assassination attempt, uh, it must have been warning them that Powell is in danger, probably from the people who framed him, who would be likely to clean up loose ends. John heads out to rescue Powell with the help of some tear gas. Rescue Powell from police custody, let's make sure. Or oh, no, yeah, yeah, FBI yeah. custody. Oh, yeah. With his traditional hit something with a car, he does a twofer. Hit yeah, something yeah, with yeah. a car, then shoot it, then use a grenade, a, a gas grenade. He doesn't that shoot yeah. it through the window this time? But No, he does the smart thing, which is pop, pop the hood and roll in because that it, it yeah. yeah. He, he also kills the engine, too. Yeah. He shoots the mm -hmm. engine. So, so meanwhile, Finch has continued to work on the file, thinking he's found a vulnerability that he can use to identify the hacker. Unfortunately, he falls directly into the hacker's trap, um, and their network and phones are compromised uh, because you don't open suspicious files. This is from why a you have isolated networks. Yeah, <laughs> I know this, and Harold. I'm a dummy. 
Harold. Well, in Harold's in Harold's defense, he's like a giant that has been dealing with ants this whole time. Yes. He's yes. literally never encountered anything technologically difficult oh, in the buddy, entire time like, we've seen him. So I get it. And it's hilarious though that Harold is the one who has like awful infosec. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Anyway, Harold flees the library um, once once everything's compromised and sets up a laptop in a another library, one that's open and has people in it. I like that he goes to another library. That's 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 really funny. Yeah. And and he also brings in the big guns to help with the politics side of the situation in this one. Zoe Morgan's back. Uh, Zoe, unsurprisingly, has extremely valuable additional info. Uh, the congressman and his business partner, one Pete Matheson, were under investigation for kickbacks and bribes in their consulting company. If the congressman is out of the way, then Matheson can lay all the blame on him. Zoe spooks Matheson into calling the hacker, and Harold records the call. Meanwhile, John and Powell are pursued by Hitman, who John finally takes out in a subway bathroom, um, making sure to grab his phone, of course. Powell surrenders to the police, but is released once Carter receives the recording of the call between Matheson and the hacker. Matheson himself is found dead of apparent suicide, and the hacker reaches out to Harold over IRC. She introduces herself as Root, addresses him by his first name, and admits that he's a worthy opponent and promises they'll meet again. I hadn't been looking at titles when I was doing, like, my rewatch of episodes, and I was trying to remember, like, why does this episode feel so familiar, even if, like, the dude in it is the least, like, charismatic. Uh, what a schlub. Yeah. Uh, I just, like, and then it was, like, oh, oh, oh! It's, yeah, it's where our favorite comes in. Yeah. Uh, it's got a lot of good moments too yeah um but this is uh the introduction of our baby root yeah so root is going to be a character who will appear throughout the show uh like we're not going to go into spoilers but like will uh root is played by a body double or just like by a person who's never you never see their face in this episode it'll be revealed that she gets she, she gets cast as like an actual person later in the show Jude, you found something very interesting about this, which... I did. Uh, I was poking around because I was curious if they planned uh, for her to be a long-term character when they wrote this episode or if it was later. And it turns out they just thought that her fucking, like, theme song that... She she has a very, she has, she has a very specific, uh, like, late motif, light motif, uh, in, like, in... Or in Jawadi's yeah, and music. it slaps. Yeah. Thank you. Jawadi's. Uh, and they thought uh, Nolan, Jonathan Nolan basically said, it slapped so hard, we had to bring her back so we could use it again. The music is what is what made Root a character. They thought the tune was so bitchin' <laughs> that they were like, I gotta hear more of that. That's great. So they brought her back. And I think that's fucking buck wild and there's a and and in the same interview they revealed they did, like th this is an interview that's done in the show post uh we'll put it we'll put it in the yeah. show notes um there are there's a lot of spoilers notes. in that interview so uh, yeah sure i'm peril. it's very spoiled but it's a fascinating interview and I, i'm sure i will be referring to this interview in other mm -hmm. places because is it the, is this our uh, is this the poi jms speaks it's 
one of them. I mean, he, they didn't do a ton of interviews yeah. about the show, but this happens after the show ended, and they spoke sort of about over, uh, uh, some interesting stuff. But it, it was really interesting that, like, this wasn't the only character to get uh, to to be written into the show based on <laughs> the music, which is which speaks. The other one is Aaron Burr. Yeah, Aaron Burr, which speaks volumes to how slapping Jawadi's music yeah. is. If you are, I'm trying to think of like what oh, else. He, I mean, he's done Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones, right? Yeah, that's the Game of Thrones is the big one that he, that you know him from. But he's done so much. I was trying to think of something else besides Game of, Game of Thrones. But basically, if there's a genre show, or if there's any, but mainly genre show that you love that has great music. Oh, he's Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, and it's not Bear McCreary. <laughs> it's Jawadi. Didn't he do Westworld too? He has to. No, that was someone else. He has to have. I'm reasonably certain that he did he, Westworld. Yeah, he does. He, he's yeah. the Westworld. Okay, that see that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of and that's and that's one of the reasons why Westworld feels like by the two mesh yeah. up. Oh, um, um, one of many reasons yeah. why. Yes, but yeah, certainly like. You can hear that when you listen to some of these episodes and then you listen to like some of the some of the stuff that's going on in Westworld. You can hear that connective tissue. Anyway, <laughs> I just think that's Buckwild uh, that this character Root, who you will hear us fawning over for the next, I don't know, 60 ish episode <laughs> out of guess. She, I, I mean, I just love Root. She's just fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait till she's an actual character on this show we can talk about. Um, it won't yeah, take that it's long. not going to yeah. take that long, but it's very cool. Um, I I like the fun little twist on this episode because watching this episode in 2022 is oh, oh hey boy. there's a there's a there's a, there's, a, there's a disgruntled white dude who's in debt uh, who's making death threats at a politician. Oh, this is. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, red flags coming up here. Oh no! This is actually he's being framed. Oh, and I, I looked at the yeah. timeline on this because it was it seemed like something pinged in my brain on the timeline on this. And Gabby Giffords was shot in January 2011, and POI premiered in September 2011. So that's that's. That dovetails pretty well, too. So this probably, yeah, that's interesting. This would have felt very revel- relevant, I think. Yeah, it doesn't, I, I, I would say that, like, the, the actual crime doesn't, like, very, it doesn't, like, resent, because it's, Match like, up. it's at a campaign rally. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. like, oh, this is very. It feels much more like QAnon oh, yeah. Yeah. than Gabby Giffords to yeah. modern watchers. Like, if they did this show now, he'd be a, uh, they would they would be, like, They'd find his his tablet, his iPad with a bunch of links to like QAnon and January 6th sites. And that would be the linkage that they yeah. used. Um, I want to talk about this, his computer, by the way. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. I have some beef with this. First of all, I don't have a problem with Harold using a Pringles can to... I love that, honestly. <laughs> I, lo- I love Harold getting out of the field. This is like, yeah. I think this... It's always fun. I liked, I did like John telling him to bring a bottle to pee into. Um, yes. Not going to get into what else they were doing with those. Never mind. Um, I'm just. John didn't tell him to bring the, the bottle of uh, Baja Blaze. Of Mountain Dew flavor lube. No. Uh, so fun fact about me. 
uh, a number of years ago, I worked for a company that made uh, encryption. It's probably, if you, you know my name, you can look it up. I don't really care. Uh, they, I, they, they made uh, encryption for Blu-ray discs. Consequently, I know, and I don't know fuck all about encryption, like professionally, but the people I worked with were such enormous nerds <laughs> that they once put an encrypt. They once wrote a simple encrypt, a simple algorithm on the on the guy's birthday cake, one of the engineers' birthday cakes, and we couldn't cut into the cake and eat it until he solved the algorithm. These are the kinds of people that I was working with for about two years. So I I have absorbed osmotically certain like that's a new adverb. principles, certain principles, and about like how encryption works. And I worked, I was like testing and like building and doing all the things I do with encryption on Blu-ray discs. My point is an, an encrypted volume on a drive. If you do not have something to triangulate off, you're fucked. You certainly aren't going to get into it in eight seconds. And I get that it's television, but it didn't have to be a, an encrypted volume. Encrypted is just a, like a word that sounds cool for him to use there. But this is one of those moments of like broken, sus suspended reality yeah. for me. There's a suspension of disbelief that gets broken for me because. It's the well run, it's the well -run is, firing two rounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the well rod firing two rounds for Justin. Where if you know too much about it, the seat has been, the seat has been ruined for you. But no normal person would ever find anything wrong with this. Yeah, it's just encryption is like. There's a reason why, like, everybody's hot to trot on quantum computing, and that's because quantum computing can brute force encryption very, very trivially. But for everything else, any, like, most, most encryption is very, very difficult to break. The reason why it does get broken is because people fucking cheat. Yeah. You can't just brute force it. I mean, that's why, that's why phishing exists, basically. Yeah. And so, like, Harold being able to be like, oh, look, an encrypted partition. ba ba boo Oh, look, he's got emails. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works, yeah. guys. And certainly, and certainly, like if Root is putting this on there, like, yeah, it's not like Root's going to use. It's not going to be like the password's like, not going to be like MAGA twenty twenty, <laughs> or like you know the the mother's maiden name plus the. I mean, originally, originally, it's he's breaking into the like, or he he's like he's just topping on their Wi Fi. <laughs> Because yeah. he because he no, mentions no, I, believe, the w I believe he can get on their says the WP like yeah because he's like oh yeah it's just WPA protected to which remember when you yeah. had to select like your the the encryption type you were looking for the Wi-Fi under anyway that was my 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 pet peeve with this episode was you know encryption is is more complicated than people I think necessarily give credit and uh, I don't think writers always respect that yeah no why would they. Anyway. I mean, see, see. Also, anytime there's like a math thing, or also a lot of medical stuff. Stat. Like, Stat. No, no, that that no, that's not how that works. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement that uh, Scott Powell is a doof. Oh, he he is just like we're three for th we're three for three on like not worth the effort yeah. with this guy. He has the most like. I recognize you from somewhere, but I can't be asked to remember you <laughs> face and voice. Yeah. You know what? Well, you know why? You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of what's his name? The guy, the guy who made family guy. Uh, Seth MacFarlane. He, he, yeah. He reminds me of like, like a, a Seth MacFarlane who's had a few beers and his voice has dropped a few, like an octave. Cause he's, he's starting to get into his, his cups a little bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's very specific. That's what he reminds very me specific. of. Uh, yeah, he's is this is he's just a number that like I cannot bring myself to care about him at all. Like the rest of the plot is great, but like this dude, like I mean, yeah, okay, it, it's okay, buddy. It sucks that you're out of work, but like. You've been lying to your entire family and like ruining yeah. your wife's credit for eight months. Pawning, pawning the, the silver and like about to beat up a pawnbroker because he doesn't want your your crappy wedding yeah. silver. And and it's like we see a lot of fun bad choices numbers. Like for instance, the the guy with the bonds. Um, oh yeah, who we will see in season two. And yeah. That, yeah. Um, this is this is not a fun bad choices number. This is Leon. one where you just like. This is, no, I was referring to Leon. This. Yeah, this is just like this is yeah. depressing and. Uh, like I said, he's a schmuck. Wife should probably like his wife should probably leave him. Yeah, if if only to yeah. like get her like try to restore her credit, like because yeah. dear lord. I, I think my thing is like there there are there are a couple categories of numbers. Let's go let's like like there are categories of numbers. There are nice people who have been caught into a bad place. Yep. Nice people who like are just sort of boring and I don't know, sort of just like make bad choices, but they're like not even fun bad choices. People who have fucked up and are living in the moment. <laughs> yeah. And there's a there's another category for this of specifically miserable, boring white dudes who are who should not be redeemable. Um, we're gonna run into a couple of these. Nailed it. And when we get to those yeah. episodes, I will fucking viciously rip into them. There's one I think in season two, like particularly that's like the ur example of this, where I'm just like, I don't care about this dude. Let him die, bitch. <laughs> what are we? Who are we talking about here? Like heads headphones next. 15 seconds listeners um it's the hitman oh yeah he the episode just sucks and i'm like (laughs) die just fucking die i don't give a shit about you is this is this the is this the like hitman with the girlfriend (laughs) yes that guy fucking sucks (laughs) yeah no this is my least favorite episode and he should die in a fire listeners for the record on a headphone there so she was not listening as Justin and I were dunking on on the hitman with the girlfriend was the exact phrase that Justin used. <laughs> and then I was like, and then I was like, wait, I think I might know this one. Yeah, no. Because I've watched a little bit into season two. Yeah, no. It, oh, it's like really legitimately. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that episode. It's going to be like, it's in the bottom like 10 <laughs> episodes of the series. Um, but I, I would classify, I'd classify the thief soldier as one of these two honestly or or like the thief soldier i think is like he's doing he's doing bad things but for a good purpose at least well because there's yeah but i also don't give that's the other category there's yeah there's the criminal with a heart of gold that can go either way they can they can either be redeemable or unredeemable based entirely on the charisma of the actor okay so let's instead of categories let's put this like it's on two axes we could we could probably plot each of these on axes of a like the x-axis is deserves it and y-axis is how fun is how fun they are (laughs) we could do this for every number and i would love this we should do it i think the x-axis the x-axis is deserves to be saved and the y-axis is but do we care (laughs) exactly (laughs) 
Because there are definitely people that deserve, like this guy probably deserves to be saved. So he's high on X, but very low on the Y. Just, he's like way out here. So he's like. It's very important that you know that Jude has the X and Y axes mixed okay. up. Because he doesn't, he doesn't want to. Whatever. Like, like he deserves to like have his work have his wife divorce him he doesn't deserve to like be thrown into federal prison for a crime he didn't commit and or be murdered and here's my next point of the two people who are victims of a premeditated crime in this episode he is not the one that deserved to be saved (laughs) Mm -hmm. congressman delancey who apparently is on some sort of like program to root out corruption in the city and is doing good things in his city He, on the one hand, is doing good things and deserve to be saved and by all accounts is a decent person. Whereas this shmup probably, probably, you know, I'm not saying he should have died, but I just don't care. Also, this is the first appearance of Agent Donnelly, who is a dude I want, who is possibly the FBI agent I most want to (laughs) shove in a toilet and uh, give a a wet welly. A swirly. Yeah. Like wet willy? No, swirly. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, no. He- swirly. Yeah, you want to turn him upside down and you want to dunk his head into a an ill an ill clean yeah. toilet. Not like a used toilet, because he's fundamentally like a basically okay person. He's just a dork. He's just a big misguided dork. No, and he's he's a fucking asshole about being like a, a Yeah, like I person. said, that's you want to give him a swirly, but you don't want to like give him double pink eye. You just you just want to <laughs> show your dominance over his over his buttholeness. I, but I yeah. I have to go back here and say that I think that Wet Willie, something else that happens in a bathroom. Yeah, no, yeah, that's when you stick your 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 slobbery finger in I'm someone's aware. ear. I'm making a joke, okay? Oh, okay. Oh. I'm making a blowjob. I mean, we joke. can add a third. We can make a <laughs> another definition there. I hadn't thought about that. Okay. Come okay. on, guys! Yeah. But I, I, I'm like, for once, wow. I'm being the horny one, and you don't even laugh. That's true. Yeah, I'm really. I'm I'm hurt. The... I'm hurt by this. Yeah, I mean, I... just watch the ball go right past. Didn't even take a swing at it. I think it's like the domesticity relatively of like John and Harold is like, it's like domesticating our home. Yeah, it's, we gotta, I I can't tell you what we need, Anna, but don't worry, the show gets horny. We need to talk, we need need two characters on screen discussing. (laughs) Sorry, it's fine, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about it, we'll get there eventually. I have compared a ship on the show to what if Gideon and Harrow had war crimes enabled? <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, um, I love the fact that the first thing we get to see Root do on screen is like, uh, or the first thing that Root like engineers is like ends in her killing a corrupt businessman, which to all I was like, is like, yeah, yeah. Slay queen. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, the return of our favorite girl boss. Yeah, Zoe. Yes, yes. Also, speaking of domesticity, though, do you ever crave a more conventional oh life? Oh my than god! <laughs> I was, I'm like, would you like to have my babies? <laughs> it's like, Harold, Harold, what if we got married? What if we got married and fell in love and moved into the suburbs? It doesn't have to be in that order. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what one of those things is going to happen? <laughs> uh, Bro, but it's I I just yeah, that's 
very good. Um, also, like there in the opening scene, uh, there's a very funny moment where John is like trying to like subdue a dude uh who's like i guess like trying to kill his ex-wife and john throws him into a wall and a hide event comes out <laughs> and i'm like yes. it's just very uh, funny yeah this this episode has some really good fight scenes like that one and the bathroom mm-hmm. one like with shoving the guy into the like hand dryer and then it turns on and then ripping the hand dryer out of the wall and beating him over the head with it yeah. like the only thing that would have made that fight sequence better would be if somebody just walked into the bathroom, took a look at the scene, was just like, mm, no, uh-uh, and just walked right back out. I don't have to pee that much. If it had been, if he reloaded his fists, that would have made the scene better. <laughs> but that was... No, we weren't ready for that. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't ready, ready for that. For that. Human race yet. Yeah. Other weird things in this episode, uh, the tracker... And the guy's shoe is just like, yeah, it's just a fucking it's microchip. Just a microchip somebody like pulled out of a parts bin. I think that's very funny. Yeah. I also have my favorite bit character. Sir, maybe my favorite bit character in the entire first season is the uh, the jock in the library that is impressed that Finch can pull Zoe Morgan. Zoe. He's so he is so stoked for Finch. He's like, way to go, man. Like. <laughs> So good. <laughs> oh yeah. This episode has just takes the money. Like just sees Zoe, takes the money and leaves. Yeah, and then as he's walking by later, yeah. he's like, Yeah. <laughs> such a good sight. Sight gag. Oh. It's just funny. I did want to say one thing on Root was that so at this point when I was watching through initially, which you know, I'm not that much farther than this at this point, but I am you know, I am far enough to see the next time we see Root, um, I was super convinced that Root was going to be John's old CIA colleague. Kara. Kara, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, <laughs> don't give it away, man. Be cool. Yeah, but that that also, that would have been interesting, but she does, also doesn't have the skill set. But the, the one thing that gets me on this, though, is that like, so it's interesting that Harold fucks up so bad. I love right? it. I have a whole note here. It's it's great. It's it's hubris. Yeah, it's it's pure hubris. Yeah. Harold is a god among among bugs when it comes to computer stuff in this show. And I love that he like he's faced with this thing and he's just I, like, "Oh, well, I'll just do this thing and bloop bloop bloop." And it never fucking occurs to him to be <laughs> cautious. Cuz why would it? Like <laughs> the other thing that gets me with with uh, Finch in this one though is that he's like, no, it's it's just completely normal that you'd have this level of encryption on your home hard drive. I mean, doesn't everybody yeah. do that? Like <laughs> that's just a normal thing that, that normal people do. And it's like, okay, buddy, like if if this schlub knew enough about computers to do this level of encryption on his hard drive, he would have a job. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and then and then meanwhile, Reese is sitting there like, yeah, I hit someone with a computer once. Like, I feel like Reese's understanding of computers extends to turning them on, putting in Finch's little remote programmer thing, and potentially... Well, except he was pretty competent and super. Yeah, they're, they're very inconsistent with what he can do, with what he's capable of. When it comes to computers, because I feel like 
the appropriate. He's not a dummy, but he's not fast. I think. Well, I feel like the appropriate skill level, though, for John is a guy who literally went out of high school into the army, into the CIA, into black ops. Is that this guy should be able to? This guy should be able to basically look up his ex girlfriend's Facebook page and look up porn. Those should be the two things he can do with a computer. <laughs> what I think John is very good at is on-site retrieval. Like that is what he's specifically like good for. And so he has I like I think he knows functionally a good deal about how computers work because it's all working knowledge you pick up. Yeah, he knows how to use a computer in this in the line of his job. But if you asked him like, "Hey, how do I uh how do I get on the Wi-Fi at the Starbucks?" and he'd be like, there's a what in the star what? Like, he would have no idea what you mean. Or, hey, uh, what do you know? Do you know anything about like iCloud? And he'd just be like, nope, got nothing for you. And I like that. I like the idea that he has spent so long in that shadow world that his knowledge of computers is entirely connected to that aspect of the world. And he has, he's got mm-hmm. nothing on this side. He's got nothing over here. Like, he has no idea. Like, the way that they reference that Finch invented Facebook for gathering facial oh, ID God. data. Oh, God. And, and then and Reese it. is just like, yeah, it checks out. Like he's completely nonplussed by this because he has no idea what Facebook is otherwise. Like that that totally yeah. checks out for me. Uh, Facebook doesn't exist in the person of interest universe. It does. We will get to what it what does exist a little oh, bit that's later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For 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 the technical technically similar but legally distinct. <laughs> technically similar but legally distinct. Yes. Beautiful. If we're on other fun facts, I did look up what disodium inosinate is. Um, it is apparently a flavor enhancer that is usually used alongside MSG, uh, and it is typically made from meat products. So you should avoid it if you're a vegetarian. Uh, which begs the question of whether Finch is a vegetarian. I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention now. I think he. I, We've seen him ordering eggs earlier in the series, I believe. He he mentions liking eggs Benedict. Yeah, but you can you can be you can eat eggs and be vegetarian. Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, some people don't make that distinction. Yeah. I'm trying to remember because I'm like, I'm sure I I feel on some level that I've seen him eating a steak before. Yeah, I I, I'm I'm imagining. I'm gonna that, watch it though. But I, I'm just gonna watch out for it. I'll be interested to see. Because it wouldn't surprise me if he was vegetarian. Yeah, it wouldn't. If I can have a brief, uh, th- like my 87th aside in this episode, because apparently that's what we're doing tonight. Mm-hmm. MSG is great. Everybody should have MSG on their table, just like they do salt. Uh, MSG doesn't give you the shits. Uh, that was racism in the 80s and 90s. And you should cook with MSG more. Yeah. I mean, some there as with as with anything, there are people who do have a sensitivity to MSG, but as with anything, you know, it's a subset of the population. Cheese does that to me. It doesn't mean that you, you should treat cheese yeah. like people treat MSG. Yeah. I still eat cheese. Like, it's fine. <laughs> well, it's not fine. It's a disaster. But, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> oh, uh, the last thing I had to say about this episode personally is something that Anna also noticed, which is what fucking college is this at? That this dorm room has a goddamn fish tank the size of a college dorm room. The last do- college dorm room I was in looked like a looked like a fucking solitary confinement cell. It did not have mood lighting and uh, a, a fucking giant saltwater fish tank. 
I'm pretty sure that in most dorms, fish tanks are generally like banned beyond like like the little one that you put a betta fish yeah. in because like the liability if that thing breaks. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Are we done with this episode? All right. Uh, next up, we have uh, episode 14 of season one, Wolf and Cub, written by Nick Van Zebrook and Michael Sopchinski. Directed by Chris Fisher. Uh, we, we've seen this pairing of writers before. And it's always you yeah. who has to pronounce their names. I was going to say, you're getting better. That was that was much more gracefully done. I was like, I'm, I'm just, we're going to truck through this and I'm just going to close my eyes and think of England. <laughs> <laughs> or Eastern Europe in this case. And I'm going to guess the Netherlands. So our number of this week is Darren McGrady. He is a 14-year-old kid who is a witness to his older brother's murder. Darren ran off from police custody and John uh, is able to find him and protect him while he looks into things. Darren and John are able to take down one of the three dudes who were involved in the murder, a guy named Brick, while they look into the other two, Curtis and Trim, who are working a numbers racket. The three of them are working for Andre, a local comic shop owner. Through some creative pyrotechnics uh john is able to get one of the uh i don't know if it's curtis or trim i it there's like a bunch of dudes in this episode and i cannot distinguish them um he's able to find out the location of the murder weapon john also has some heart to hearts with darren and tries to walk him down from attempting revenge but when brick is released uh from police custody darren runs and tries to get revenge on brick and andre Andre tries to kill Darren, but John intervenes with beanbag rounds of the shotgun. Uh, in the sitting crossfire, the killers are subdued, and Fusco gets shot in the ass. Uh, <laughs> in the end, Darren gets uh, placed in a foster home, and John's able to pull some strings to get him into a charter school for the arts. We also get a, a reappearance from Will Ingram, uh, Nathan's son, who was looking into his father's life, and Will has found that Nathan had a contact in the White House, a woman named Alicia Corwin. Will meets with Alicia in a park, and she lies to him about the machine. It is clear that she knows what is going on. Will uh, Will's conversation lets slip the mention of Harold, and Alicia uh, is immediately spooked. This is the last we will ever see of Will Ingram. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. I don't know whether it's. Just, Man, I think it's very funny. It's just like. I I don't know whether I was hoping that he would come back or hoping that he wouldn't come back, but it's it's funny because it seems like they're like building up this thing with him some sort of plot thing and then he just vanishes I've, i'm wondering like, if it's just like the actor wasn't available or i think they probably maybe. realized that there was no they weren't go like that this plot wasn't going anywhere like they were sort of there's no plot that they could do without like killing yeah, him I, I, yeah, I, yeah I, that's they, what you said it up for the end of the season is that he gets gacked at the end of the season. Yeah, I think they were tr trying to start building some stuff up and they just didn't like where it was going, so they just let it go. Uh, and I don't mind, because I, like, I don't like any of it. I think the actor is boring, and I think all the storylines that they could have done with him were bad. And they, they kept the one good part, which is Alicia Cor uh, Corwin being, like, suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking speaking of her being suspicious, do you want to talk about where she lives? Yes. yes. So I I had to look. I was while I was looking up that article, I discovered a note 
about this. And apparently this is a thing that Justin gets nerdy about. So I'll just let Justin talk about it. Cause apparently I, apparently Justin already knows there, there were like multiple things that I got nerdy about in this episode. The other is the numbers racket thing. And we'll go into that, I guess a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but Alicia Corwin in what is probably a, uh, attempt to hide from the thing that she has unleashed upon the world, um, lives in Green Bank, West Virginia. Green Bank, West Virginia is the home to two radio telescopes. And as such, it is part of what is called the National Radio Quiet Zone, which is a large, I want to say it's 13,000 like, square miles. Okay, yeah, it, it's, it's a very large section of Virginia and West Virginia and a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of Maryland um, where basically there are, it's to preserve uh, basically radio pollution uh, so that the radio telescopes can work as well as a naval intelligence uh, station. (laughs) The, um, there are basically like zones within this area of basically the further you go in towards the center and towards Green Bank, the less radioactivity and more regu- and the more regulated any like non-related electronic noise activity can be to the point where like you can't use microwaves in Green Bank. Wow. Because wow. it's like it, it, it's basically like they don't want to have anything interfering with the radio telescopes. So like. You have to like, like the further you get in, there's like basically zones that are set up to like, you can only have radio waves that are tight beam or like within a certain zone. And then it's like, they're basically like, and to to be clear, this is not like a huge area of the world that is inconvenienced. The town of Green Bank has approximately 130 residents. And all, and almost all of them work in the uh, telescopes. I'm assuming. Yeah, but yeah, it's very interesting. It's just like it is basically a spot where like you like you can't even have like a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. If you were trying to hide from a machine that used electronic surveillance, it'd be a pretty dope place to go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's a weird little real life thing that uh, it just happens to exist. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Uh, In general, I think this is a really good episode. I forgot how much I liked this episode. Yeah. When I watched it the first time, I felt like it was kind of, it kind of just like whooshed past and I didn't really like absorb it. And same thing happened when I watched it the second time, but watching it the third time was a trip apparently. (laughs) Well, see, I Uh, feel that way about it literally every time, like all the time until I'm watching it because I think what makes this episode work is that all of the actors in it, well, like our main cast are all doing a good job, but like the number of the week is, is like a great actor for a little kid. And like the writing is really good and it elevates what is a pretty pedestrian story up. And it's got some really nice little writing features in it that make it really interesting um, and make it fun to watch. So even though there's not yeah. a whole lot going on, it's it's a really satisfying episode to watch because John shepherding this kid around and this while well, this kid plays Yoda to him and lectures him about <laughs> like the proper way to live as a as a Ronin is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I think it's it's a it's a little bit of a I think it's a little bit of a weird episode because it's like the number like the, the actual number plot I don't think is that interesting. I think it's like, oh, there's a criminal enterprise going along here and it's like john like 
gets to the top of it and they shoot yeah. some people. Like the end, the last ten yeah. minutes of the episode, I think, is a little bit of a mess. But like, it's the the character interactions where like John gets to be like an actual human being in a moat, little tiny bit. Yeah, and it, it's fun. And the kid, the kid, normally, I think, like, I think there's a there's a couple episodes with kids um, that are like. I think there's one in like season two or three that's a little eye rolly. There's there's one that's coming up that we'll talk about. Yeah, some of them when it happens. Some of them aren't as good, but this one works, I think, because like the kid. Uh, okay, there's a really funny moment where the kid says like, "Oh yeah, all samurai would read Sun Tzu," <laughs> and it's just like there's sort of like this genuine authenticity to how how much of a nerd this kid is. Yeah. Like how yeah. like, yeah, when I was 14, I probably would have said something that stupid too. Yeah. No, he's, there is a very specific age where you are old enough to think you have your shit together, but young enough <laughs> to not realize how fucking useless you are. And that's a hard, yeah. that is a really hard age to write authentically to yeah. like nail it and not only do they write it well but this kid delivers it just mm, bingo he he has like earnestness but also like just like how are you still alive you little moron cluelessness <laughs> without being <laughs> annoying i i really like it i think it's a really yeah. nice performance i'm not surprised it turns out yeah. that he went on to go do like other things yeah yeah it's i think it's easy to classify as like the kid revenge episode, right? Yeah. But like it, it actually works really well. Um, and it's another one that has a lot of like little fun bits to yeah, it. Yeah, there, uh, there's a, okay. The writers of this episode are like they, they toss in a lot of like references and stuff. Uh, like there's a there's a Thirty Days of Night uh, graphic novel. The uh, the McGrady's have a se- a Seven Samurai poster up on like their yeah. wall. There's a bunch of seven samurai references in this episode, apparently. Oh yeah. There's um on the door to the comic shop, there is uh there's a picture for Blackjack, which is like a really specific, which mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, that's an interesting one. Especially like Blackjack is I, I like that that fits it also with like the the Ronin sort of aesthetic. Yeah. It's just obviously a very different genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's like a lot of like the the I even the title of the episode obviously. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, the wiki the wiki for this episode was like it's uh the title of the episode suggests it may be a reference to Lone Wolf and Cub and I'm like no shit. I wonder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is clearly referencing the the famous manga Lone Wolf yeah. and Cub. And that and that kid is like that kid is really a pretty observant too but also like has zero filter like yeah he's just like oh no that 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 guy no he's a dirty cop i love that so much he's just like you're not not going to busco that dude's a fucking dirty cop yeah just like you are so right kid but hilariously in the wrong way but you just said it yeah it's very good and and then Fusco's just like you hurt my feelings. <laughs> poor Fusco, it's gonna. Poor Fusco. When when are people it's gonna? It's a good Fusco episode. Yeah. Ah, oh, Fusco. Fusco really takes it. This episode, he really <sighs> suffers. Uh this episode. 
Some real indignities. But, but he gets a genuine thank you from the kid. Yeah. As well as presumably an ass cake. <laughs> God, I I love the fact that he gets <laughs> shot in the ass. It's so funny. It's not the only time in this show that it will happen. It's it's a fun episode. I do enjoy it. It's it's also got some classic some classic stuff. Like we've got the the classic like strip the bad guy, cover him in liquor and toss him in a police car to be found later <laughs> move. Um, which just never gets old. It's it's very Certainly funny every time John. because there there's something there's something undeniably funny about somebody being stripped naked and covered in booze and just yeah. turned into the police in some form. It's it's very funny. The we also have baby baby Harold who looks just like Egon from the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Pretty it's the I think it's the glasses, but it really it's it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Also, poor grandma's beater beater car. Uh, yeah, that that car is like never gonna drive. Like again. John steals the John steals the 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 gang member's car. Then the gang members have to borrow his grandma's car, and John's like, I'm gonna take the nice SUV and ram grandma's beater with it. And that that poor car is just completely fucked. We want to attack the, the blowtorch. Oh, yeah. The blowtorch is very funny because it's like initially you think, oh, John's going to torture him. He's like, nope, I'm just going to start burning money. And it's it's um this kind of fits in with the, I'll say, interesting relationship that the show has with torture because it it definitely comes the closest of pretty much any thing that's under the general umbrella of cop show procedural at not using torture or having torture, you know, showing that torture does not work. That generally yeah. John uses, you know, he sets people up to think that they're going to be tortured, then he does something else. I would mm-hmm. say, and I'm, I don't want to say this definitively, but off the top of my head, I can't think of an instance where John tortures someone because he genuinely thinks it will get information out of them. Yeah, I'm I'm being cautious with that statement because there's a couple of episodes where I'm pretty sure John gets close to torturing someone, but I yeah I'm, I'm like I think there's 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 some instances where, where it's not John is trying to torture us for information. It is John wants to see someone get hurt. Rampage. <laughs> uh, we do see we do see some instances of torture there. Uh, gosh. Yeah. There. There's. I can't remember which episode it is, but there there is like some pretty like. Eek, uh, points. Yeah. But those are done by bad people. Yeah. Oh, well, I think I think we'll uh, have to like address it more broadly once we've made our way through more of the show. Indeed. I have one thing I don't like about this episode, though. What is that? Carter holding that guy brick without charging him. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I know she's got the tip from John that he is the murderer and she trusts that. But Oh, I hate that trope of like, oh yeah, we can we can hold this dude up into the the last possible second and then and then arraign him. And it's like, oh, that's that's just so shady. And I I hate that Carter, who's like generally a pretty like by the book person. I the the reason that it's being done in that case is so that the kid does not get killed uh, because. 
Like the minute the minute that Brick gets out, he's going to dial his boss and say, "Hey, X kid needs to die." Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the basis of what they're working off of there. So I mean, like, there's at least an understandable reason beyond we're just holding him so we can ar- so we can charge him. Yeah, but like you know, we've seen other episodes where John dealt with that sort of situation by like locking somebody into a car trunk. <laughs> You'd prefer that John locked Brick in a. <laughs> car trunk than carter yeah because we know john's a bad person <laughs> legally i mean dubiously ethically held brick in in prison yeah that's funny we're gonna say that wrongful imprisonment any which way is probably bad it, um, is it is it wrongful but, imprisonment though she was within the, the bounds of the law she was just it's just a trope that i hate it's that bad. it's something yeah. that's like you know really a thing in a lot of procedurals yeah. And like, especially in procedurals where they want to do a lower stakes running against the clock sort of thing, where it's like, we know this, we know this guy, but we need to come up with all the evidence and we've got the ticking time clock of how long we can hold him and all that. And it's, it's a trope that I just hate. I've seen it so many times. Well, I mean, the the thing is that is, is that they, is that like the trope even gets subverted here because they have to let it like, like he, she's told to let him go by her captain. Yeah. Like multiple times. And then when she does, it is like 10 minutes before they like find anything. So like it causes all the yeah. problems, which I find yeah. that's, that's good. I, I, also, I love the fact that like this is it has no fucking bearing on the plot whatsoever, really. But the fact that like the 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 criminal organization of this is running a numbers racket is very good. Would you like to tell us about numbers rackets? Yes. Um, so numbers rackets are possibly the it might be like the the most American form of like organized crime. <laughs> Specifically in New York, they have a a, a, a long history. Uh, basically, numbers rackets are they are a lottery system where I'm greatly summarizing this, but basically you pay for a ticket, and it's basically a lottery you pay into that is run by a criminal organization, and so people buy tickets from local businesses, and somebody wins the lottery, and they get money, and it's all done below board so it's basically it's it's instead of the state running a lottery it's a criminal organization running the lottery and it's very shady however it's just it's a very like in addition to like protection money it's one of the old it's basically what the before before alcohol became the purview of the mob in the 1920s like numbers rackets were their way of getting money Mm. interesting and normally, normally the numbers that would decide the winner would be like based on like horse races, like and like the the finishing of them, or something. and or be something like you could easily check in the newspaper, mm. like a, a set of numbers that would easily appear in the newspaper that would be like at least somewhat random. So it's a very fun thing. Uh, like they're I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. It's sort of very like a low stakes criminal activity <laughs> that like people just you know it, it's got a very long history, like the oldest number, like numbers rackets have been a thing for like, since the start of the 20th century, at least. Interesting. Yeah. And they're like, it's like that. And then the twenties came and then like, they were like, Oh, Hey, smuggling, <laughs> smuggling illicit goods. We can do that and make a lot more money that way. Also there, uh, there are two, I know that faces in this episode and neither of them are the number. <laughs> we've got, uh, no, we've got three. 
three know that faces. Oh, okay. So the the woman who plays uh, Darren's brother's co-worker who like got harassed and Darren's brother stuck up for him and that's why he got murdered. Uh, Lisa, she is played by uh, Aja Naomi King and she was a series main on How to Get Away with Murder, a show that for some reason I watched multiple seasons of. <laughs> I mean, it's a Shondaland episode. It's, a, it's like, it's the most overdramatic is like, that the one with Paris Geller in it? Yes, yes, that's okay, the one. My wife watched that. I didn't watch it. But. <laughs> I wouldn't call it great. It's very gripping, though. Yeah. Literally, all I know about it is that Paris Geller's on it. Uh, also, Malik Yova, who plays Andre, the dude running the numbers racket, uh, was one of the Jamaican bobsled team in Cool Runnings. Cool. That's amazing. Wait. Which one? <laughs> I. His character's name was Yul Brenner. Yeah, Okay. I, it's been it's been like too long since I watched Cool Running, so I can't remember. That's that's the grumpy okay. one. Okay, and and I have one that Jude should also know, uh, which is John Michael Hill, uh, who played um, Curtis in this one, one of the one of the two like goons, um, but he played Detective Bell, the, do- the dopey goons. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah, that's yeah, dope. he was Detective Bell in Elementary, where he is a stellar. He does a stellar job on that. Yeah. Elementary is a show that if you enjoy our particular brand of bullshit, you should watch Elementary. Yeah. Because I think Elementary is a show that we probably never will do because at this point there's, there were a fuck ton of seasons of that show. And I don't think I would want to watch it all again. If for no other reason than I'm not entirely comfortable with like a deep dive into Sherlock's opiate addiction Mm -hmm. storyline, but it has the best season one twist ever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a great show. It is like, what's his name? Who I will always and forever refer to as Dade Murphy. Uh, thank you, Hackers. Is my favorite Sherlock Holmes of all time. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> Smamberdam de Bumbergamble uh, is a very good <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. No, he isn't. <laughs> sure, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on my hot take for here for this episode. No, he isn't. Fine. Well, Robert Downey Jr. was a better Sherlock Holmes. Okay. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. was a very good Robert Downey Jr. in a Sherlock Holmes movie, but he yeah. was not playing Sherlock Holmes. No, he was, he playing, was playing a version yeah. of Sherlock Holmes, and that version of Sherlock Holmes was much more enjoyable than Benadryl Cumberbatch. That's fine, but he was not playing Sherlock Holmes. Yes, he was. He was, was, playing, to- he was, he was playing, playing Tony Stark uh, well, in a, I mean, in a was, Sherlock Holmes movie. Which, which yeah, I mean, that, hey, that's a, that is. You could like there's like Arthur Conan Doyle did not write one Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. There is, in fact, lawsuits about Sherlock Holmes showing emotion. Yeah, yeah. and and like I've, I was a absolute Sherlock Holmes nut, and like when I was a kid, I read through everything repeatedly, and I would say that Johnny Lee Johnny Lee Miller is by and far like by far my favorite Sherlock. He yeah. he's great. He's yeah. He threads the needle between the like genius weirdo aspects and also the like human aspect uh, he's yeah. just great i think he's a great actor in the show and yeah for me it's like it for like modern day like for for sherlock adaptation set in the modern day it's johnny lee miller and the actress who i cannot remember from mr Sherlock, the japanese one so um you probably have it though like i i um it's it's a japanese series it's a live action japanese series yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, starring, uh, it's where Sherlock, where, where Holmes and Watson are both women, 
in modern day Japan. Interesting. It's very yeah, fun. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Yeah. My favorite little bit of it is that uh, Watson is uh, like, it's doc. her name is like Dr. Uh, Wata or Wato. Uh And so uh, she's Wata-san. called Wato-san. Uh. <laughs> which is i love it it's that's uh, that's beautiful it's it's delightful and i love it um yeah and like they, that's I, the second speaking of which that's the second best thing about elementary is making watson uh a a woman and b a detective and, and c is, take zero of sherlock's shit yeah consistently um there's no there's like there's none of the the thing of like watson fawning over Holmes or anything and it's funny because you know even though it's dude sherlock and uh lady watson they zero Zero sexual sexual chemistry chemistry. like there's no will there won't they there it is very clear that they will not ever ever yeah um i think and it's very funny because like this version of sherlock is very that version of sherlock is very horny oh yeah extremely horny it's um in the first episode the first sight you have of sherlock in that episode is him being untied from uh a bondage rig and and frankly it's like in his living room okay okay fuck it fuck it if you we're going long tonight just because it's a little bit loopy and we've you know we've, we've lost the track a couple times but headphones like headphones moment for our listeners come back in like two minutes it's. I think it is very. It is a masterpiece of writing that Sherlock and Watson in that series have no romantic chemistry, but they are both have like the most incredible, ridiculous sexual tension with Moriarty. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. Oh uh, yeah. Or Irene. Or I mean, it's. I mean, to be frankly, I think Natalie Dormer could have like sexual chemistry with a stucco wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Accurate. Oh uh, yeah. It's great. It's God. Now I don't want to watch that show again. Okay, um, listeners, you can come back in here. Um, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it, it's. I, I suspect that all of this is going to get cut. Yeah, this is either going to get cut or just Zathras. Yeah. Don't you dare! No, no, you it's going to go into the next, in. the next what if? Yeah. Um, okay, listeners, um, we have okay, to wrap real this quick, up. This real is, quick, this chaos fest. Yeah, this is so chaotic. Um, is is the next episode the one we want to do three for? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, listeners. We have uh, we are reaching the sort of doldrums of the season here. These are the wind will not hit our sails yet. Uh, we are stuck in like the mid Atlantic, so we're going to be doing three episodes because we could probably roll out three of these, and if not, it'll be a hilarious experiment, uh, and you'll just get a super long episode, and we will cry. So join us next time for episodes 15, 16, and seventeen of season one. Blue Coat, Risk, and Baby Blue. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share like Nidoriv's license. And yes, I do know I mixed up the X and Y axes. I don't care. I did I did statistics in my senior year. I was already checked out and I was soups high the whole time. I had already started my drug problem and I did not care. 
So you can't make me remember anything about math. All right. I know what shapes are. I can do a little algebra. Shapes um, isn't algebra. No, that's geometry. I'm saying I did. I, I passed geometry and I did like I did some I did plenty of math. I get by just fine. I'm just saying I bounced off calculus like like a fucking like that red ball Toby bounces in West Wing. Like just right past <laughs> we have, like we have just lost the rails on this. 